0: Welcome to the Life Church Auburn Hills Sermon Podcast. We're a multicultural community being transformed and empowered by the grace, truth, and love of Jesus. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Oh Lord Jesus. This morning we are experiencing your power, your work, your spirit moving in our midst, moving in our hearts as we worshipped you through these songs. As we declared who you are, we pray that you'll continue to move our hearts into worship as we go into your word. So Lord, speak to us today. And help us know what it means to worship you, what it means to be connected to you and transform our lives so that we can walk out of here having new lives and being encouraged by you to live differently. So Lord, thank you for this moment together here. Thank you for bringing us all together. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Everyone has a context. Your context is where you come from. Your story that shapes who you are today. My story begins in China. China is where I was born. And when I was very young, my parents came to America. And when they came to America, I was left with my grandparents. I lived with them and my grandma would feed me milk every morning for breakfast. And it's not the milk that we drink here, cold, it's actually milk that's been warmed up on the stove. And when you warm milk up on the stove, there's this layer on top that forms. And when, whenever I was eating this or drinking this, I would smell it, and it would be Most disgusting thing I've ever smelled, and I tasted it. It was not good. But my grandma would force me to eat this every morning because she said it was good for me. I mean, she's a doctor, so I had to listen to her. And my parents were, you know, here, so no more, you know, listening to them. Later on, a few years, my other grandma brings me on an airplane. Northwest Airlines, some of you might know that airline. It's now been taken over by Delta. Get on the plane, come over here to the US. My parents come pick me up. I get in the car and I'm on my way home. And my mom hands me a carton to drink. And I drink it. It was Tropicana orange juice from Burger King because that's where my mom worked. And when I tasted that, it was the most amazing thing I've ever had. The perfect blend of sweetness and tanginess. Wow. So later, a few days later, I end up in elementary school. And I look around and I'm like, wow. Everyone looks so similar to each other, but so different from me. All these boys and girls with blonde hair and blue eyes. And me being a minority, I felt really self conscious, right? I was like, I don't look like these people? How am I going to fit in? And we did this project one day where they took a photo of the side of our faces and they made a silhouette out of it and they posted everybody in the hallway for the whole school to see. And I was so embarrassed because my face was a little different than these other faces and I thought, oh no, they're going to make fun of me. My nose is not as, you know, prominent. My face felt like a little more flat compared to these other people. And I was just devastated. Later on in high school, my freshman year, I look at my picture in the yearbook, and I'm like, man, I'm ugly compared to these other people. So I was so, like, distraught that I didn't buy a yearbook my sophomore year. So if you look at my bookshelf, you have freshman year, junior year, Senior year. So, some summers I go back to China. I go home, right? I go home to China thinking I could fit in, thinking I'm finally home. But then because I've been in America so long, And because, even though I couldn't look like these peers of mine, I tried my best to be like them. So what I did was, you know, I start eating American food, hanging out with my white friends, playing street hockey, starting to love hockey, which is still my favorite sport today, love the Red Wings, even though they are dead last in the league, I still watch every highlight, almost. And my wife, with the, you could keep ask her, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you watching the wings? They suck. <laughs> <laughs> I even celebrate Christmas, even though my heart broke the first Christmas because Santa never came and gave me my gifts. And in China, I go back thinking I would finally belong because I look like these other people, and yet... I behaved and my culture was totally different than them. So in China, they see me as American. And in America, because of my Asian face, they see me as Chinese. Right, if someone out there just meets me for the first time and looks at my Asian face, they might think, oh, maybe he's from China, I'm gonna go up to him and say, or they might like stay away a little bit and like maybe he has that chinese virus <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a joke but it's okay you see when i was telling my story just now something amazing was happening in my brain and in your brain researchers have found this out recently, that when I tell my story, parts of my brain lights up and fires, active, and when you guys listen to my story in person, those same parts of your brain are active and lighting up as well. In other words, when I'm telling my story and when you're listening, our brains are mirroring each other These researchers call it coupling. And it's like almost you guys have entered into my story and experienced what I have felt during these moments yourself. It would be different, right, if you guys listened to the audio of this recording later on on our website. It would be different if someone else was telling you about my story. The coupling in the brain probably wouldn't happen during those times. You see, the power of the story is in the presence of the person. God knows this. God knows this, and that's why God came to us as a person, Take a look. Let's go into the Bible now. Take a look at John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. I will read this in the NIV. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Why is Jesus called the Word here? Take a look at Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. In the past, it was just words. God spoke, and the universe came to be. God spoke to Moses and the law for God's people, the Israelites came to be. God spoke to the prophets and the prophets spoke words of encouragement and rebuke to God's people. God speaks these words and these words kind of trickle down. But these words are not as powerful if they're not attached to a person. And that is why here the words now have body. The words have bones to it. When Jesus arrives as God, that's what happens. And when Jesus came, he could finally, God, could finally make a connection with us in an intimate way. Just like when I was sharing my story and you went into there, we developed empathy. We made a connection. So God does the same thing. God came to share his story to us. But not only that, God came to listen to our story as well. Because all of us, including God, have a context, right? Have a place where we come from. So let's take a look at this interaction that Jesus has in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 9. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When you read that, do you find it kind of weird or interesting how Jesus could just come up to a person like Matthew? and say, follow me, and Matthew just follows. What's going on here? Is this love at first sight? It doesn't make sense, right? Why would Matthew do that? Matthew, just sitting there at the tax collector's booth, looking at these Pharisees, kind of looking down upon him and judging him, because tax collectors were looked down upon in society during that time because one, they worked for the Roman government who were ruling over the Jewish people, and two, tax collectors were known as people who would take a little bit more money than they ought to. And so tax collectors were looked down upon. Matthew was not having a good time at his booth. People were probably avoiding him because they do not want to pay taxes. And those who come up to him are like begrudgingly doing so, asking him, How much do I owe you? But Jesus comes up to the table, to the booth, and tells Matthew to follow me. If I was Matthew, I'd be glad. I'll get up and follow him too because who wants to live in this old life where you're on the fringe of society being looked down upon, being judged just because of your job? So Matthew's thinking, hey, I could maybe this guy's going to give me a new job. Maybe give me a new life, so I'm going to follow him. Look at what the Pharisees say to that when they go to Matthew's house to eat. The Pharisees asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see how tax collectors and sinners were lumped together into one category here? We all know sinners are outcasts in society, unclean. But tax collectors too, because of how they're seen in society. And the Pharisees, they see themselves, and it is true in their culture and society, to be the center of society, where all the power, where all the privilege, where all the money, and where all the rules are established. Upon hearing this, Jesus said in reply, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. What does that mean? Ever since Moses and the Ten Commandments and the law came, along with that came all these ways that the Israelites will sacrifice animals to get right with God. Or even sacrifice animals in their worship of God. But Jesus says, what was once now an act of worship has now become worthless. It is because these Pharisees do them sacrifices all for show. All to show these other people that they're close with God. But in reality, their hearts were far away from God. That is why they're being rebuked by Jesus right now. And that's why Jesus says, no, you guys are not right. Sacrifice is not as important as mercy. You see, these Pharisees, they they wanted to stay away from these people who are unclean, these people who are sinners, these tax collectors. And remember earlier, you need to come close. You need to come close in order to have compassion. This word mercy in the original language can also mean compassion. I like to use the word Empathy. If you're far away, how can you have compassion? How can you hear someone's story and have empathy for that person and where they come from, their context? Jesus does that, right? Jesus goes with Matthew and sits down at his house, at his table, and they have a meal together. And usually when you eat together, you're close and you talk and you share stories with one another. And when that happens, just like it happened earlier, there's this coupling, there's this unification, there's empathy, and there's connection. That's why food is such a big deal at our church. Did you notice that every gathering that we have, there's food? Here, even on Sundays, where we gather every week, in that little cafe over there, there's food for you to get and to eat. It is very important in relationship building and connection making. You see, every story comes from a place or context. The context of my story is of not belonging. It's from the margins of society. And that is a story of many Asians in this country. But those who are in power, those who are at the center, they say, no, you belong here. You are, in fact, our model minority. We need you, in other words, to be our model minority. Because if you are a model minority, we can say to the other minorities, to the other people of color, why can't you be like the Asians? Why can't you work hard like the Asians? Why can't you succeed and live a good life and make money like the Asians? Easily glossing over the history of oppression in this country for people of color. And that oppression, discrimination, even extends to Asians today. Jesus came for people like me people like us, but what is your context? Your context might be a little different. Your context, even though it might be different, your stories eventually led you to be seated here in this place right now. And if you are seated here in this place right now, you have moved from the center to the margins, Because even if you are not a Christian, and you are seated here today, you are now affiliated and associated with Christians. And Christians are ever declining population in the United States. Christians are seen as people who are weak, who who need a crutch to lean on because life is too hard. If you're here at Life Church Auburn Hills, you have stepped from the center into the margins because you are led here by people from the margins. And we're going through this 3C friendship and most likely you're going to be encountering a person who is from the margins. And no matter how inspirational and encouraging these Sunday gatherings we have are, when we step into our workplaces on Monday or schools, or wherever we go, because we're labeled as Christian, we will be seen as losers in many contexts. We're losers in society. But the reality is Jesus did not call us To win, but to worship the living God. That is why Jesus says, The last shall be first and the first shall be last. That is why Jesus says that if you want to keep your life and save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. That's why. He says, take up your cross and follow me. A cross is an instrument of suffering, of shame, of silencing. Jesus is not called to win in life, but to worship him, the living God. The band can start coming up now. Have you guys ever heard of this saying, the safest place is to be in the center of God's will? Raise your hand if you heard that. Okay, maybe one-third of you. I'd like to submit to you today that the margins of society is in the center of God's will. Jesus, in other words, Jesus goes to people in the margins. Those are the people, if you read the Bible, even the Old Testament, it's all about people who are marginalized, people who are suffering, people who are in need. That is where Jesus goes and that is God's will not at the center, but at the margins of society. And here is why that is so important to realize. Because when we connect, when we connect with people at the margins and hear their stories and learn about their contexts, when that happens, we're, we get unified with them, right? We, we empathize with them. We're connected. We kind of... Import ourselves into their story. And then we realize that Jesus himself, Jesus himself was marginalized as well. We get closer to a God who was marginalized. Jesus himself, remember when he was going to the cross, what happened? His closest friends deserted him. Jesus himself lost his closest friends. And then on the cross, When he is hanging on that cross, dying for our sins and our shame, God himself left him. That is why he's crying on the cross, God, God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, yet it says in Hebrews 12, for the joy. Can I get an amen? For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. We come to you. in need of revival. Lord, we've been seeking for too long to be recognized or to be at the center of society for power, for money, for prestige. So we come to you today when we confess, as we hear about stories of people in the margins, that that is where your heart is, that is where your will is, that is where your blessings flow. Because when you came, Jesus, and when you came and preached your greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, you said, A lot of these people were blessed. Blessed are these people. Blessed are these people. Blessed are these people. And all these people are the people in the margins, oh Lord. These are people who are mourning. These people who are poor. These are people who hunger for righteousness because they are oppressed. So Lord, Lord, help us to to have a heart for these people. Help us to even realize that. Us today, as Christians, are becoming more and more marginalized in society, and we need you more and more in our lives. Holy Spirit, may you send a revival to this church, may you send a revival to this state, to this country, to the nations, as we develop these three C friendships, may your spirit rise, may your fire burn bright, and may many come to see your power and bring people who normally don't come together together. May that be a witness of how you came to our lives, to our world, to be united with us. You being God, so different than man, and yet you stepped down into our lives and told us your story and came to hear our story so that our stories can become one story. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time of worship for this gathering. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about us, visit us online at